On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Melanie turning into a popsicle will ruin the Snowpiercer train party, if taking candy from strangers can be a good thing in Batwoman, and if pop filter Hall of Famer Catherine Hahn can do no wrong on WandaVision. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this episode. And today, I'm very excited because it is genuinely a big episode. Um, I know I say this a lot. People tend to throw this out and not mean it, but I genuinely mean it for this episode. It's very big for me personally, and I'm just very excited to like uh, celebrate with you all. I know... Uh, I'm excited to see what my co-hosts have brought me in order to, like, celebrate this uh, special occasion. And I know they all know what it is. So um, I'm going to invite them on to see, like, what they gave me. Uh, Ryan, how's it going? And what gift do you have for me? Uh, uh, Cassie, it's going great. And it's it's going great and not confusing at all. I will throw out how, <laughs> how not definitely, confusing. You definitely know why today is such a big day for me and, like, how to celebrate this. And the, obviously the thing that I have you for you first on top of the gift is a card that says happy day. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> It is indeed a happy day, so I will oh, take that. Oh, happy day. <laughs> it's one of those singing cards. That beautiful voice you hear singing is Mike. Mike, how's it going? It's good. Uh, I forgot to sign my name on that card, but scribble, scribble. Now that card is from both of us. So okay. Cass- but- Cassie's obviously pregnant. No, with no. with anticipation. With, I okay. you interrupted my pregnant pause. I have a uh, I pause after I say pregnant. I have a gift for you, which is a T-shirt of the monster truck Bigfoot eating other trucks. You know, you know, I do love monster trucks. I am a grave digger girl myself, though. So, uh, but I will take Shit. this. Thank you. Uh, it was very I had close. a 50-50 shot of which monster truck. <laughs> Always grave digger. Have you seen those backflips? They're sick and nasty. I love them. Uh, sick and nasty. I, I, it's cute that you guys are acting like you don't know what today is, though. So, um, like, I know you guys are here and excited to celebrate my one-year anniversary at your pop filter. So, hey! oh shit! Yeah, it's, it's a it big, is a happy day. <laughs> it's a happy day indeed. So, um, if you guys want to go ahead and like tell me like how great I've been doing to add on, because the card didn't say like the 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 best thing that you've done is uh, throughout our tenure. Uh, on the Superior Show show, we've had different people come on, and they all have six months later told us how sad they were that we did not remember their one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So I think the best thing you've done is to just <laughs> you make it the day. You're throwing your yeah. own surprise party, and I respect that. Listen, uh, I've been, I've been no, with you guys for a year. Like I know how to do here. Like I know I, I'm gonna have to bring this to you guys' attention, and I just want you to know it's a big day for me. So thank you. Yeah, because to us, it's just like you've been here forever, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> in in all the good and bad that comes with that statement. <laughs> thank you. I'll take it. I'll focus only on the good. So thank you. Was it? What was the first episode? Was it Lock and lock, Key? Lock and Key. Oh shit! Lock and yeah. Key. So the hate of Bodhi came in with Cassie. That's yeah, great. that's why I I came in as host and immediately started dunking on Child. 
I said a good You're reputation. Like, Why the fuck did you make me watch this show? <laughs> you, I realized uh, how bad this was going to be. And on that first episode, you asked how many days I counted, like, if I was in jail. And I've been in this jail for 52 weeks. So <laughs> I've been keeping track, Mike. Don't you worry. Listen uh, to this. Good. The Taste Buds discussed the first episode of Lock and Key. And it's not just the old Taste Buds you're used to. As the unnatural 20s Cassie takes over as host of the show, join her as she tries to lead Mike and Ryan through a conversation <laughs> about the new Netflix show Lock and Key. Yeah, and I feel like that still hasn't changed. I feel like tries should always be in that. But you try a little less every week. I mean, you have to try. You've gotten better at it. I'm not great at compliments. Uh, (laughs) I think you've gotten much better at railroading through us trying to railroad you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I've worked very hard on it, so thank you for this recognition. We do have some other big things to talk about this episode, though. We, Of course, we got to get to Snowpiercer, which is our main event. So let's go ahead and do that right now. On the fourth episode of the second season of Snowpiercer, 1,034 cars long. Yeah, it's 1,034, bitches! It's so long! Mr. Wilford brings a handful of Big Alice crew members to the night car for a celebration. The engineers are launching a balloon to contact Melanie on the research station. Alex and LJ were enemies as kids. And Lady Audrey, Audrey has to face her old tormentor, Wilfred. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Is Snowpiercer adding complex new politics with Big Alice's arrival? Or did we trade a nuanced villain of what people do for survival for a mustache-twirling, power-hungry, middle-aged white dude? Well, first of all, let me just say how disappointed I was that there... Because it's been a while since I watched the show. There was no character named Big Alice. I was so excited to see her. <laughs> just That's in my head. That's what the ice zombie is. Uh-huh. Uh, did you guys get to meet the ice zombie? No. no. I don't know if you... Did you just watch this episode or did you watch the three before? Just this just one. Just this one. Okay. So what you did not see is that uh, Wilford, they don't have a lot of food on Big Alice, but they do have scientific breakthroughs. Mark from the comeback, uh, Lisa Kudrow's husband, is a mad scientist <laughs> oh, uh, with his wife, mad scientist. And they they have really good like skin grafting things to, to cure frostbite. But they've also, they have this big hulking ice zombie guy. And in my head, his name is Big Alice. <laughs> I did not know about, like, this is the most insane thing. I would have never expected them to go with the ice zombie. Out of all it's the things. bananas, yeah. man. And to make him stronger, they shoot him with ice. Well, didn't <laughs> did the most popular show of the last decade have a lot to do with ice zombies? Like, doesn't it make sense yeah. that they would just rip that shit off? So now everybody's like, we should get ice zombies. <laughs> I, th- I think this is why New Girl sort of faltered in the last season. It's because they added an ice zombie to the loft. And it just, the rapport wasn't there anymore. Her name was Megan Fox, and she was great on that show, Ryan. It's <laughs> cruel. We're not mean to her anymore. She was good. She was. Um, are you guys liking, like, did this season, for me, it seemed like the, like, stakes are a little bigger. I I do think Big Alice Train is adding some something to this. I think Big Alice and a lot of the people on Big Alice are great. I think Mr. Wilford as the villain is absurd. And, like, so he's been very charismatic. And Melanie's like, he's going to fuck us all over. And people are like, okay. And then they get to know him. They're like, I don't know. This guy seems kind of cool. Well. But then in this episode, even like his people are under his thumb, they're under his spell. And in this episode, he like treats like four of them. There's a lottery, so they get to go to the night car with him. And the, the they're all excited and they're dressing fancy. And then he drops the act that presumably he's had for years with them. And is like, if any of you ruin this night that's only about me, I will murder you in your sleep. And I was like, that? Come on. That's well, a lot. We got a little bit of that before when uh, Melanie's daughter kept saying... 
calling her calling Miss Audrey something like a paramour. His a paramour. Paramour. Twice. She said it twice. Yeah. First time it was like. Wilford was like, oh, okay. Second time, turned around. He's like, you will not call her that! <laughs> but so that's still more subtle than because Alex, Audrey's, or Melanie's daughter, started trying to keep all the names in track. Uh, on track? She's, <laughs> she, yeah, she, she sees the real Wilford more than everybody else in Big Alice, but she's like down with it. She's a cruel little shithead. Well, Mike, you know what I haven't done a lot over the last year over Cassie's reign on this show, but I will do now. I'm trying to think of somebody who... Uh, Feels like it hold. Feels like he holds a certain part of the population under his thumb with supposed charisma and fake wealth, even though he's very clear to everybody else, just a piece of shit moron. Does that does, does that like does that connect to anything else in real life, guys? It's rude of you to talk about me like this on the show. <laughs> I was talking about me, you piece of shit moron. <laughs> It was confusing as to like why people could love Wilfred because he was nothing but like a shithead in this. Like I, he had no charm to him. And and yeah, it, it feels like so in the first three episodes of the season, he does have some charm. I think Sean Bean, Sam Beam, I can never remember his name, Sean. the guy who dies in everything, uh, can be evilly charming. But here he really drops it. And he, uh, I would say that he's slightly more handsome than Trump. Yeah, oh, much more handsome than Trump. So that works. The The most charming part about this episode, I could see how, like, even though it's not the best writing for this episode, again, I'm jumping in on the fourth car of 1,034. So I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what's happened before. Were you guys pumped with that? <laughs> you got the new was, count? Yeah. I actually was pretty and excited it, once I got a new count. It was like the second 10 seconds of the show. So <laughs> I just turned it off right after that. I was like, oh, it's like watching Sports Center highlights of uh, a game. It's like, oh, they told me the score of the amount of cars. I'm just going to turn this off. But the most charming thing he did, I think, was he doesn't want the ping to go off on the weather balloon, right? Like the whole, the whole episode is a bomb going off as Hitchcock would tell it, right? Like, we we have this thing that needs to happen, and that made the episode work overall. Wilford doesn't want that to happen, so when the balloon's going up and everybody's looking at it, he's holding a balloon and then pops it, and, <laughs> yeah. and everyone jumps, thinking that that was the weather balloon that they could hear somehow. <laughs> and But it's his reaction after that, where he looks around like, ah! And everybody, <laughs> everybody's, everybody's upset, and he's like, oh, <clears throat> Sorry, that <laughs> just gets even his crew was like, "Come on, come on, Wilfred." Yeah, so so Melanie, that there's a research station, so that she collected some snow when she was sabotaging Big Alice in an earlier collected episode. some snow. Is that that hard she, to do? Well, it's because it has not snowed in years. It's been too cold to snow. Oh damn, that's cold. They were they were thinking she's lying, and then they tested in her lab. They're like, "Yeah, you're right. There's chemicals in here that shouldn't that wouldn't be on the ground." Uh, so she's going to a research station. So they don't know if she survived because she has like four big cases of research equipment and a super space snowsuit. And Wilford the whole time is like, and you'll probably die. Good luck. Toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that weather balloon was if she connects her little satellite thing, that means she's alive and they can start collecting data. But she's alone there for at least a month. And that he was wrong. And that and he was wrong. And that he, didn't, not like being wrong. he did not get what he wants, which is all – it's not just Trumpian, but really – uh, all rich male villains, Dudes. right? Yeah. yeah. We do have... Um, so there was... I'm going to go to you, Mike. So Josie is one of the burn victims. Um, and she gets yeah. traded over to... Since they have all the technological... Her whole body's burned. She's completely... Like, she's a burnt crispy one. Yeah. Uh, so they send her over <laughs> to Big Alice. Like, why would Wilfred want Josie? Because it does... The whole time they were saying, like, do they know who you are? Like, how big of a part is Josie? 
it's interesting because there seems to be Big Alice spies because they don't even know that Tailies exist. When somebody from Snowpiercer says Tailie, Wilford's like, what the fuck is that? Because he does not know the weird society they've made. And so, but then he very quickly starts knowing names, rank, serial number. Like, he starts figuring out all those people. So they don't know if she's connected to Leighton because her and Leighton were together and Leighton only recently figured out she didn't die. Uh, so he took her because they have the super we can heal frostbite. Uh, Which is that true? Powers. Because the doctor seemed to not n- exactly know what the medicine was. You know, like when they were applying it, somebody was like, Oh, this is awesome. What is this? And the doctor was like, Oh, it's a, I gotta go. I, I thought that was like proprietary or something. Uh, so like, don't want to give up the recipe. It. Yeah, because they did it. Melanie got, when she was in a less powerful spacesuit earlier in the season, her her shoulder got fucked up, and they put this goop on her, and they do just call it the goop. They put the goop on her, and she was healed in like a night from the frostbite. My theory was that it was just a numbing agent, and so they felt healed just so they had enough time to like get Josie off the car. And I don't know why they want Josie, but Josie's clearly dead. Like She had to walk away from the train or the roll away from the train that was like, right. they're never going to see her again, right? Well, because now the tale is the border, uh, and it's a little tense. So they just still don't know if people are coming back anytime they go to another train. And it was crazy because ice sorry. zombie there, so she's for sure <laughs> gonna get got by yeah, the ice she, zombie. Yeah, she's in the room with the ice zombie. <laughs> Josie knows uh, as much about the ice zombie that me and Cassie do. So all three of us are like, "What the fuck? Why? <laughs> what are you doing in here?" Uh, we now we got to talk about this party that they had to uh, to connect to Melanie in this balloon. They threw a big party to get Wilfred over and to convert over like his like couple of crew members that he got. There, it's a whole chess game going of everybody trying to convert each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so during this, we do have is it Audrey? Is his Miss paramount? Audrey? Yeah, Miss Mi- Audrey. Miss Audrey she's, is the night car leader of the night. Car. She's got a name like she's a southern belle or something like oh, i'll miss audrey <laughs> miss audrey so they send miss audrey to entertain him and uh this scene will never make sense so <laughs> here's what i got uh so they she was we we find out like in little conversations that he'd been building trains for years before the world like ended ended he'd been doing this all around the world and the night car she was his like main side piece mm-hmm. she was his mistress though he gets very mad if you call her paramour uh, and so hasn't seen her in seven years. So he was kind of into her, but he is a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody else who was very loyal to him because he ate chicken wings while on snow Street. Uh, <laughs> Wilfred got into a bathtub with Kevin and they were both naked and he made Kevin kill himself. And then we find out in this episode that this is his go-to move Yeah, is let's be naked in a tub and please slit your wrist so I can bathe in your blood. Audrey survived where Kevin did not. I can't imagine you Mike thinking, Oh, well, I know what he did to Kevin. Let's see what he does to Audrey. Oh, same, th- same thing. Okay, so he, yeah, just, this is what he does. And yeah, we haven't, since the introduction of the night car, like in episode three of season one, it's been a minute of like, is it VR? Does she hypnotize them? We think reality gets fuzzy when you're into that space room with Audrey. Yeah. yeah but there's nothing else like that on the show though, right? No. That's so weird. It's very weird. <laughs> and I remember it being less weird because in the first season, everything was weird. Every episode we met a new card. We're like, this car has these powers, I guess. <laughs> but now it's been long enough that you're like, wait, what the fuck again was going on with that? It's It takes you back because every once in a while, like, you know, you get brought into that it's just a train. And then there is something wild like that. Like they have like magical powers on a train. And you're like, yeah. what, is, what is happening? 
Well, I, so- I think that's why it's more like uh, guided meditation. Mm-hmm. So that's like memories. But then she also got sucked into his memories. And then he was licking her feet. Like, I think it was just a lot a lot of weird, like, psychological shit going on. Yeah, what it seemed like is that he flipped the script. So it's like having your palm read. And then all yeah. of a sudden, the palm reader looks up. And now she's having her <laughs> palm read. What is happening? Your lifeline says you're a bitch. <laughs> um. So, like, all the tension between, like, this whole party and everything, like, that all worked for me. The one that, like, isn't working for me, and it might not be, it might just be because I don't know what's happening, is the guy who's just, like, cutting off fingers throughout the train. There's, like, they're in the uh, the market, right. and they're, like, trying to capture this dude. Like, there's a whole subplot there. And that, I don't think that the, the breachman uh, is not the guy who did it. So, uh, one of the tailies, she got her thumb and her pinky cut off. Because Wilfred's like little sign, his gang sign is a W. Oh, okay. And then well, how does she tell people to hang loose then? Yeah. She can no longer hang loose with her right hand, uh, so which is cool. the saddest thing of all. And so Till, who's now the detective of the train since Leighton is the leader of the train, is trying to figure out that basically there's uh, Big Alice, Mr. Wilfred loyalists already on Snowpiercer. Mm. And she's trying to figure out who's doing this because the, the tailie, they like, she's no longer living in the tail. She got a job and was living in second class. And somebody said, fuck that shit, put a bag over her head and gave her the Wilfred special. <laughs> what it seems like to me though, is that the show just can't get away from this need to have like a, a typical TV show, TNT, right. we love drama, overarching mystery. Exactly. Yeah. They pitched TNT that it was a detective show, and now they're like, uh, contractually, I guess we have to keep going. Yeah, with that. fulfill that quota. <laughs> but you do not need that. There's enough, like, I really do like Ruth, who was one of the villains of the first season. In this episode, she's like, I'm loyal to the train. Somebody need to get that across to Layton. Like, all of that. I like a lot. Ryan does not. He's making rude gestures with his. Oh voice. no! It's 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 great storytelling. It's just don't fucking believe Ruth ever, guys. The best right. part of this episode is when they formed like a little Illuminati, right? So it's like Leighton and Ruth and uh, Miss Audrey Zara. and Zara, and uh, Audrey's like, you guys don't understand Wilfred. Like he will get to you. He's already gotten to some of us. And Ruth's like, well, if you're referring to me, it's not true. Yeah. And, and, uh, Ruth hears his name and starts coming. Uh, like, <laughs> and then Audrey's like, "No, I very clearly wasn't. I wasn't talking about you at all." And then it just stays on Ruth for a while of her just like looking around awkwardly, uh, pulling the collar out from her shirt. Going, Ugh. <laughs> there is, it is getting like a little better for me this season. But like, do you guys think it is just their like need to make it like an overarching like uh, mystery that's holding it back from being like making it just a middle of the road show? I, I, I think it's, I mean, it's a train, so it has to be in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. It will run off the rails if it's not. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I, I'm the biggest fan of this show on this show, I think. Or, the, and, or but, in the country. Or in the country. <laughs> I like it even more than David Diggs does. And yeah, I think it's, it's, I don't know if it's specifically a detective plot, but I think they are constantly doing more than they have the skill to do. No. Yeah, do, you think, do you think the main actor's uh, Penguin Father... Danny DeVee Diggs likes the show? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. He's so proud of his boy. No, I, I was going to actually answer Cassie's question with not, a non-Danny <laughs> DeVito uh, comment, which is the show, like we talked about all last season, the show can't not be stupid. Like yeah. it, it doesn't try to be good, good, but it also doesn't try to be like Legends and Winona awesome. And so it's in this 
middle ground because tracks are in the middle. Um, and my biggest example of that from this episode is every fucking person from Big Alice has an exact counterpart on the train yeah. that they hook up with immediately and then hang out the with for the entire night. The Australians find each other. The two teenage the a- asshole girls find each other. What do you guys think about Melanie's daughter's performance? Is it working for you? It it is. It's uh, cause this she was the happiest she's been in the four seasons. But for the last few episodes, she's been like, "Fuck you, Melanie! I'll kill you!" <laughs> like her, like her slow opening up because she got left behind when Melanie stole Snowpiercer and has had seven years. What she's like fifteen now, so from eight to fifteen has just been poisoned against Melanie. Yeah. Do- do you guys recognize that actress, by the way? No. Well, there was a, back in the day, Ben Savage was a boy that met World, and then he grew up and had a daughter, and that's the girl that met World. Oh this girl met World? That, that girl met World. <laughs> now this girl meet Train. Train and Snow. All right. Well, if you want to watch this sh- middle-of-the-road uh, show, it is on <laughs> TNT. That's all the time we have to talk about, and it is time to go to our poll list. <laughs> It is time for the poll list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First one starting it off is Resident Alien. On this week's episode of Resident Alien, the mayor invites Harry to dinner, which gives our kid detectives a chance to start to unravel the mystery. After that, Henry heads to Asta's grandmother's house to do some healing, some basketball playing, and some secret revealing. Oh, and there's some murderous agents. Oh, and Harry's wife shows up at the end. Taste buds, I ask you this. Did this episode give you the feeling that Resident Alien may not be fucking around? Like, every episode, there's in this stupid comedy with Pop Filter Hall of Famer Alan Tudyk, like, major shit's going to go down? Yeah. It surprised me that the, the, the what there is, it's not just like a hangout in this small town. There, there's through lines pulling everything together. Yeah, and, and they keep stacking things on for him. Like, now yeah. he's straight up, like, there's so much coming after this dude. And at some point, like, I'm like, one of these, it has to end at some point, right? In every episode, they're like, no, we could do more. I This is never the type of show that thought that I thought would get me to do the thing I did at the end when the wife shows up, where I stand up and go like, oh! <laughs> yeah, he hasn't even met the alien hunting secret agents yet. And now right. there's a wife he has to deal with. Which is crazy because you go from the end when like the Harry's real human wife shows up, and then in the beginning we have a full like Cheers intro, oh, yeah. like him just walking around the town where everybody loves him, like in alien form, and like the show has a perfect balance between these two. It, that intro was delightful. Let's fucking settle thing right now. Something right now. Greatest theme song of all time, right? The Cheers. The Cheers theme song. Yes. You guys aren't <laughs> into it. It like depends. <laughs> It depends. This is going to be a generational thing. Like, for me, it's Kim Possible. So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on a different thing. Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. But, see, not that Kim Possible is a great song, but it matches the tone of the show. And this era of sitcom baffled me as a kid because I'm like, I guess we're just in a quiet, contemplative episode of TV. And then Cheers is funny. And I'm like, the, the intro does not set you up for what the tone of the show is going to be at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's move on then because you guys are morons. Uh <laughs> I want to get to the dinner party, which is sort of a perfect example of how this show is so great at setting up set pieces, right? Of just, we're going to allow these characters to make the funny. Um, this episode was directed by uh, Jay Chanda, Chandra Shekhar, from, who's like this big time TV. Oh, from Broken di- Lizard. Yeah, from Broken Lizard. Uh, and I, like, I would say that's, as far as TV comedy goes, that's like one of the biggest gets you can get. I yeah. think you can feel it here. 
The problem with the dinner party episode is the women, the women, the, they were acting so fucking crazy that well, it sort of <laughs> deflated it for me. Like it, it went to 90s wacky sitcom versus. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I understand that Darcy's it? drunk, but. Well, that's. Uh, I wanted. Yeah, Darcy. So we revealed that Darcy is Ben, who's the mayor, his first kiss in fifth grade, but they, they also maybe fooled around in 10th grade. Like, it feels like. We need to get to know Darcy more because she is either as alien as Harry is. Uh-huh. Which or, I think is part of the point. Or she is trying to cause a fight between this married couple. But we haven't gotten enough of that like maniacal glint from her. But before Darcy turns it up to 11, Ben's wife is already like yeah. freaking out that they dated in fifth grade. Bro, Which is settle down a little bit. Yeah, she is mad when she's like, he was my first kiss. Like, who cares about that? And she is, like, ready to, like, divorce him right then and there. Yeah. It's Which, she, well, it's just clear. There's a, not just in this episode, but in general, but this episode really nails it home with this and with how the kid reacts because he thinks they're getting divorced. Uh, that, it's not a happy marriage, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess not, yeah. I mean, they're, like, they're the two attractive people, you know? And, like, on TV shows, that's always the case. But in this town... How many could there actually be? You know, not and everybody not has a great here. jumper. Right. And so she came in and swooped up the hottest bachelor. Um, but she should have a little bit more faith that the husband who I married did kiss girls in fifth grade, like yeah. we all did, obviously, <laughs> and uh, is probably still loyal to you, even though that and fifth grade kiss happened. The child you have who is himself now in fifth grade. Like enough time has passed. She's being absurd. Uh, but yeah, Darcy keeps just poking. It's like she sees it because at the end she says, "See you around, sister wife." Like she is trying to cause a divorce <laughs> yeah. here. But see, I don't, I don't see that like maniacal thing in Darcy's eyes. Like I don't think she's a manipulator. I think she's just a moron. She's just a drunk. <laughs> she thinks happy it's hilarious. Man. Yeah, it's always it's so hard to tell, especially when a bo- when a chick is two bottles deep into wine. Like the the line is very thin between the two. It and the vibe I guess we've gotten is she kind of hates that she lives in this town again. And I want she's bored, so I wonder. Like she's only trying to fuck Harry because he's new. So I wonder if she's like, I will ruin everything because at least it will be different than what my normal day to day is. <laughs> Can you guys even imagine? Can you guys even imagine knowing somebody like Darcy that would drink more than everyone else put together at a party? That sounds. No. That seems awful. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. The so Ryan, you mentioned like the dinner, and during this dinner, we did have like the kids on their own little side mission. And I want to know, like, did, seeing the kids in action, did that, like, warm you up to the fact that there's two little, like, kids running around? Or are you still not down for this? Well, no, no, no. I was saying that the kids, that the little boys' performance away from Harry leaves mm-hmm. much to be desired. But I think okay. uh, the girl who plays Sahar is amazing. Yeah. Uh, her dealing with the police in the in the Seven <laughs> Eleven was some, just yeah. uh, not wanting to talk to them. You know, straight up saying, do not talk to me. <laughs> I'm... And then uh, grabbing the first thing that she sees around her, it happens to be tampons, and saying, do not talk to me, I'm buying tampons, uh, <laughs> was awesome. And then she got her uh, heroic moment, the slow motion thing, uh, where it looks like she has a cape riding back yeah. to the truck. Yeah. She's awesome. Uh, I just think the kid might not be, not might not exactly be Meryl Streep. Yeah, she's great. Her little, like, the cops are there, she goes, shoot, and looks up and says, sorry a lot. Like, she's very, like, she gets comedic timing. She nails it. Mm-hmm. She could have her own spinoff. Uh, the kid, he's trying. I did like him hugging Harry so he uh-huh. could pickpocket him. Like, and Harry, <laughs> Harry's confusion the whole time, and then being like, he actually likes me. And you know what? Yeah. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> like, I'm great. 
Um, so then we got to go, we get over to Asta and we meet her whole family. Uh, how did you guys like meeting literally her entire family? Well, I mean, not the entire family was there. She was, Asta was still missing a daughter, but I, they, like, oh. it's, it's obviously like there's a good, you know, it's, there's a whole community basically set up and they bring Harry there and they're all receptive to him despite his hairiness. Yeah. Uh, they're going to make fun of it. That make fun of the fact that he's a white man and make fun of the fact that he's so hairy, but also welcome at the same time. <laughs> they did have, when they were playing basketball, I thought they were going to do a thing where he's going to be very good at basketball, but then he was still garbage at it and just made like he's, one basket. He's only good at making baskets, which I know is probably pretty important basketball, but literally every other part of the game, he sucks at. <laughs> he's JJ Redick, guys. Oh, he! it felt like, other than the fact that I can't make baskets, that is what I look like when I play sports. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and then we get, you, the kids are straight up, like, on this mission, they go into his basement and uh, get knocked out by trying to touch the apple that's, like, floating on the tellurium or whatever, yeah. the piece from his ship. So uh, his solution to this is put the kids in a body bag. Love that. <laughs> like, I don't know where he was going to take those kids, but delightful to just be like, oh, they're still alive. Let me uh, take care of this. Well, it's just, the, it's the little twist of, like, normal dramas that this show has where he checks the pulse on the kids, you know, in the basement, <laughs> and he's like, they're still alive. Shit. Uh, (laughs) that harry has but uh yeah i mean the three those three major things at the end including the kids being knocked out in the basement and him having to deal with that which is it's hard to deal with knocked out kids in your basement um ryan would know makes it seem like you know this show has a lot that it's going to do and it to be honest it makes me forgive which is hard for me to do that one per episode moments where he lies on his back and says you know what humans really are the best part of the universe yeah dude i'm a human i had let me tell you that's not fucking true well he thinks that in this one that's about after dealing with asta's family if you had a family like asta's family welcoming generally warm loving maybe you would also think that uh yeah uh mike what do you have for moment of the week we're almost out of time tie for three cassie uh All right. well let me go then i only have okay. one you we'll go because it. it might be one of mine. Yeah, there's. I think there's one clear one, right? We'll see. Uh, how can it be anything other than don't trust your balls? <laughs> They're nuts. Yeah, <laughs> that is one of mine. For and then sure. Harry's Harry's subsequent laugh, and then if blink if you miss it moment where Harry walks away laughing, and the sheriff almost like it was ADR, like it was recorded later. Sheriff says, "What kind of shit was that?" <laughs> yeah, the sheriff, even though he is an asshole, I'm warming up to the, the character being around because he also de- like we're learning nobody knows how to deal with humanity in this town, and that is right. very real. <laughs> Yeah, it's for me, my moment of the week is that as well. But then the fact that he also brought it up, like he was so proud that he made a joke, like in conversation, he was like, I made a joke earlier. I was like, I felt so that. human. I made a joke earlier and then tells it all poorly. <laughs> Completely out of context and then is the only one that laughs. Uh, all right, Mike, what are your remaining ones? Uh, in the little intro, so the intro cards of like, do this, don't do this with humans. Uh, the don't do this is he is peeing on a guy's butt. Like it's saying, use the urinal alone. Don't pee on somebody else while they're using urinal. And then uh, the little kid I do think is his best line delivery is, why can't you guys just be getting a divorce when he finds out Harry's coming to dinner? (laughs) That stops upstairs. (laughs) That feels like, Cassie, I got to say, something that little Mike has said to his parents. No, they got divorced before I could talk, Ryan. That's why I am the way I am. Piecing back the Mike story in this as well. 
Uh, if you want to watch Resident Alien, it comes out uh, Wednesdays on Sci-Fi. Our next show is Black Lightning. This week on Black Lightning, Gambo gives Jefferson shit for saying he's done being Black Lightning while continuing to use his powers recklessly. And the girls tell Lynn to stop trying to help them with her fake-ass untrained superhero powers. Taste buds ask you this. Why was there just a leopard hanging out in the hospital bed and everybody was just acting like that's normal and cool and nobody talked about it at all? There's just a leopard in a human hospital bed. <laughs> it's therapy, Mike. Haven't you ever seen the dogs come by? Sometimes leopards come by. It's just healing therapy. Uh, well, I mean, so, because it's just sometimes people come into the hospital and they're like, oh, I'm seeing spots. And that's why they're looking at that leopard. Do leopards have spots? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Probably. Good. Those weird we can... spots within spots. It was it was a fun episode, but I only watched it, so we don't have to have that much more time in it. But it's a good time. Mostly, so Lynn is injecting Gravedigger powers and is mad Jefferson is not helping the girls when they got to superhero. But then uh, Jennifer gets hurt and her mom's like, see, I need to be there. She's like, no, I got hurt because you were there and were fucking my shit up. Go away. You have not been trained. It was I like it. Family I, and superhero, guys. Stop I love the it. fact that the daughters were like, Bitch, mom, you don't know anything. Like, stop doing this. It's almost like when you and your siblings or you and your friends want to go to like a punk rock show and you're all punked out and your mom comes down the stairs with like Doc Martens and safety pins and her clothes everywhere. It's like, no, I can do this too. (laughs) And her sweater that she knit, their safety pins just threw it. Mike, real quick, did we get any resolution between for the one daughter that was falling through the sky? Was she the one that was hurt? No. Okay. She's just fine. And I'm like, wait, was that like, uh, (laughs) this is what happens at the end of the season? It was baffling. They just did not deal with it. All right, then. Um, Just before she hit the ground. Sorry, just before she hit the ground, was she like, oh, there better be a fucking leopard in the hospital when they take (laughs) me there. Yeah. (laughs) That's all that really mattered. Uh, You got a moment of the week, Mike? Uh, I got two. One was very dumb. In the intro, the new police chief uh, is talking to all the police through their CB radios like she has a special police chief podcast and is recapping the plot of the whole town for us. So that was very handy. So that's dumb. Wait, is that in addition to Rachel Maddow's being on the show? Yeah, in addition. So that's a lot of commentary about everything that's going on. Too much commentary about what's going on. And then... uh, there's a new doctor in town and he starts hitting on Nissa and she's just like, you're good looking, you're charming, but sweetie, I'm gay. And her very like gentle and his like crushed look made me laugh a lot. It's good. <laughs> Is the new doctor an alien? I don't think so. Yeah. We don't know yet. He did laugh weird and said, your balls are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Black Lightning is on Mondays on the CW. Our next show is Batwoman. On this week's episode of Batwoman... Bat Ryan is facing a traumatic part of her life as she must find a missing kid who was taken by the candy lady who had captured Ryan as a kid as well. Alice is also on a mission that is connected to her past as she must work with uh, Sophie and Luke to find a guy named Ocean who she could trade in for Kate. Taste buds, I ask you, can you believe that a villain called Candy Lady is as threatening as she was? No, wait, that's not just a Cassie nickname. That's her actual... No, yeah, it's Oh, the, she was the Candy Lady. The Candy Lady. <laughs> She had a big old bag of candy and tried to get kids into Look, her van. So she I don't want to victim blame, but if you're a kid alone and a random white lady has a van and says, I have even more candy in the van. And when the kid's like, no, she's like, well, I got comics. Like, run, kid. <laughs> like, it's so, like, it's your also, fault. Also, the bag of candy that she has is absurdly big. It's like, and it's like jelly beans. And she just, just sticks her hand in there. Beans. Like, that's not going to bring any kids. Give oh. some, like, candy. watermelon Sour Patch kids and kids will jump in the van. Wait, they're not individually wrapped? 
Mm-mm. It's commented oh, loose jelly beans. Like, do you want one of these, kid? Get in my van. It was a nightmare. But she but was she emotionally is, manipulative. <laughs> like, yeah, she was very good at like because they her whole thing is she takes the kids who are um, from an orphanage and uh, then like once they're there for like sixty days, she brings if nobody comes for them, they get initiated into the gang that's like selling the drugs. So yeah. it's so, lost. It's lost and found rules. Like yeah. if lost this rules. this stays in the orphanage for sixty days, then it's mine. But it's also people come looking, and she goes no. So, yeah, I guess had- it is Lost and Found <laughs> Rules. That's how I got some sunglasses when I worked at a restaurant. <laughs> same same level. Uh, but, Mike, did you enjoy, like, I, I like that they do keep it into kind of the real world, like, relating it to, like, how uh, gangs recruit, like, young kids who are mm-hmm. vulnerable. And it doesn't, f- it, they're, they're doing it in a way that's, like, not too preachy, which, it, like, I was surprised that they're able to pull off. Yeah, it, especially at the end where, like, Jacob is trying to find... Kate in his own way, and then Kevin, who's been the boy missing, is there with the gang and tases Jacob. One fuck Jacob, and uh, it, it it tied it all together much more neatly than I thought the show could do. Yeah. Um, and it's still putting in the like the oh when little white girls go missing, people look mm-hmm. because the same time Ryan was missing, people were looking for Beth. Yeah, and then we do have Alice's whole uh, teaming up with Sophie, I believe is her name, the cop. Mm-hmm. They're mostly and, uh, just Googling next to each other. Yeah. And then they bring in Luke to Google more. Like, that was yeah. the whole the whole thing. I was like, great story. I'm loving this. Uh, but we do have, at the end, did it seem like Al- Alice clearly, like, knows Ocean, but d- was it, like, blocked from her mind? Yeah. It, that part was weird. Uh, yeah. It's like she remembered that she used to, like, bang this guy or something. Like, it was very it strange. Was <laughs> very brief moment. We've got to see what's going on with that. Uh, but we're almost out of time, so Mike, do you got a moment of the week? Uh, yeah, when Alice is at Sophie's, she's just like poking around the house to bug Sophie and just licks a bell pepper just to get like she oh, knows yes. Alice knows what Alice does and how to bug people in all her Alice ways. Like it was very funny. I couldn't tell if that was in script or the like actress just saw a bell pepper and licked it, yeah. but I loved it. And, would it be and, uh, would it be fun to for, to watch Alice from this show and Darcy from Resident Alien to hang out? It was yes, they—they they both they, they're basically the same people to the people around them. One is very clear about her terrible intentions. The other one is just a disaster. <laughs> and then uh, the, the, what sets Ryan off this is because she runs into Kevin's little brother, and he's just like, "Do you care about my brother, Batwoman?" Uh, that's the dumb moment of the week for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then title card it, that one was rough. Uh, my moment of the week was. Uh, ryan's uh girlfriend back in the day angelique when she goes in to save her and she has a wrist rocket and like that's just (laughs) just a very kid thing to like i'll take down this whole evil lady with a wrist rocket love that uh batwoman is on sundays on the cw our next show is riverdale on this week's episode of riverdale archie races through the town developing all of the stories that were introduced last week all this leads to three major developments everyone nearly murdering a gang of drug dealers Archie and Betty, Betty showering together, and the Fab Four are all Riverdale High School teachers. Taste buds, I ask you this. Is teaching at the high school you graduated from the epitome of cool? Yeah, yeah especially yeah. when you're teaching every class possible and still putting on Kevlar jackets to go raid ghoulie houses. <laughs> that, like, they were like, "How Archie wants to be a teacher here. How are we going to make this happen? Oh, we have to, we have to change every single rule so this fucking... Six foot three redheaded idiot can actually be allowed to teach in high school classes. <laughs> he didn't even graduate. Wow. 
Let's get to Mike. <laughs> let's get to the uh, the Ghoulie House. Um, we have a true detective level style of shooting here with one shot going through the Archie home uh-huh. of a gang of people that we know. Sheriff, like the old sheriff, uh, Kevin's dad, plus Archie, plus Betty, Jughead. Um, plus Kevin for some reason. <laughs> plus Kevin, because his dad is the sheriff, so he should. And Kevin, Kevlar, that sounds similar. Uh, they go, they bust in the house, and they fucking myrtleize these yeah. ghoulies. Is this what we need seven years later? Yes. You mean seven years after a true detective? No, seven years after uh, uh, we last saw the, the Fab Four hanging out. Well, this is what's going to get them back together. So <laughs> I I loved it. it. It is so weird that like, I think it's, they've been seven years away from Archie, so they've forgotten what a moron he is. So when uh-huh. he's like, we should raid this house because these people renting it from my mom. Yep, yep, I mean. Might be drug dealers. And I'll do like, it. I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do appreciate the fact that they didn't, that they didn't ask Veronica, right? Like no. all of yeah. these characters have all these uh, crime fighting abilities, but actually it's probably best if Veronica go Veronica goes and handles her own shit because that would be a bridge too far. If Veronica right. well, was actually she's there having as well. issues with her American excess card, which right. is the best Riverdaleism that they've given us. <laughs> Plus, yeah, she had to go be Posh Spice, that character from before. But I would have loved if she dressed up as Posh Spice to go into the house and start busting like ghoulies at a pearl bat. bedazzled bulletproof vest on now like oh, i know that we sort of trend towards the liberal here on this show but and is is uh like as good as it feels to watch drug dealers get the shit kicked out of them isn't the better argument to make that hiram lodge is like the thing that the city that he set up is more responsible for the ghoulies and archie's house being destroyed is it our job to go destroy the bottom of the barrel drug dealers who are just all victims of Hiram Lodge's land that he right. created? Yeah, because he wants to make Riverdale dangerous so people move to Sodale. Yeah, yeah. You well, are he also there. he also stripped away all the jobs so right. that they have no choice but to sell drugs. That's why Tom Kevin's dad is so down with this raid because he he is the one cop in this town, <laughs> and so he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'll do I'll do it all. Well, no, I just need free labor. Like, if you guys are willing to help out with it for, like, no paycheck, then that would be amazing. But, yeah, you, Hiram, as always, is the true villain. Speaking of that, Mike, should we start going around in unincorporating cities? If all we have to do is walk in and get a couple people to raise their hands every once in a while, do you think we could just unincorporate cities up and down the coast? Yeah, I don't know what it means, but I'm really down to do it to a bunch of cities to see what happens. <laughs> there is a there's a scene in this episode where they they do a textbook explanation of unincorporation, but and I don't know where they got that information from other than Wikipedia. But basically, uh, that's what Hiram is doing because if you make Riverdale not a city anymore, it'll make his city that he's creating better. Yeah, it's he's trying to trace like the rich whites out of Riverdale to move to... So- it's all bananas. The, te- the the plan makes so little sense. He's trying to force white flight. Yeah. But I, it's, everybody who's like, Riverdale sucks now, has lived there forever. Like, it, it doesn't make sense what he... Or he's making, like, when New Yorkers move upstate, so they don't even consider Riverdale. But he's the mayor of Riverdale. Why build a new town? Why not just make Riverdale nice? <laughs> yeah, you could just make Riverdale nice. It's so villain for villain's sake. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, are you kind of bummed that even after this time jump, everything has changed except for the fact that we still have to fucking deal with Hiram Lodge every episode. Yeah, it it sucks. It the show seems to think he's the best villain they've ever invented, and he's just not. <laughs> he's, he's you think he's worse than the Black Hood? 
he might be worse than the Black Hood. All right, let's get to the main event of tonight, which was, of course, Snowpiercer. Do you want to talk about that again? Nah. <laughs> the main event of this episode of Riverdale was, and my, when I was a kid, when I was like sixth or seventh grade, and I wasn't totally sure what sex was, what we would say was showering. Uh, <laughs> I think that that boy and that girl showered together. Uh, that was like the end-all, be-all of sexual contact. That's what Archie and Betty did. And my question to you is, did they make the time jump just so they could bring the love triangle back that the entire comic books are based on? Because if they had, if they had done the love triangle before the time jump, then bugheads, as they're called, uh-huh. would flip out. Yeah, and, and, and I'm just happy for Archie and Betty because this is the first time they've guilt-free been able to hook up. Right. Nobody's cheating on anybody. Veronica's married. I mean, does Riverdale do things where they get they just get to do this, have pleasure, and get away with it? Or is this going to burn no, their butts? No, they'll be punished. They'll be punished. Because even oh, though guess- Archie hasn't been with anybody since Veronica, uh, Betty, I think, has a living boyfriend down in D.C. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. We've met him. He's a, he's a shithead, but she is cheating. Man, always got to be some drama. Uh, but do you guys have moments of the week? We'll start with you, Ryan. My moment of the week is uh, all the teachers are leaving. That's why they have to make all these things. And somebody lets the group know, including Kevin Keller, that all the teachers are leaving, including Mrs. Crouton. And then Kevin Keller screams at the top of his lungs, Damn you, Mrs. Crouton! <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's a phrase that's applicable for almost any situation. <laughs> Good, bad, excited, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, like five minutes in, they're all trying to like catch up, but mostly they're just talking about Riverdale. And Jughead's like, we've all done fucking cool things with our life. Why are we still talking about Riverdale? That <laughs> 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 was the smartest thing he's ever said. And they're kind of dealing with it, sort of. Uh, all right, Riverdale's on Wednesdays on the CW. Our final show of the week is WandaVision. On the seventh episode of WandaVision, we're breaking the fourth wall, baby, as WandaVision and Agnes will give straight to camera commentary on this take of a modern family-styled episode. This episode is the first time that Wanda and Vision are separate as Wanda is trying to take a day to herself and figure out why her surroundings are glitching while Vision gets caught up on his past with some help from Darcy. Monica gains powers after pushing through the barrier and we get a preview of my new favorite sitcom spinoff, It Was Agnes All Along. Taste buds, I ask you, is it weird that I'll give uh, Catherine Hahn a a pass on killing a little dog? No, it may. I mean, for you, yes, because you 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 are strictly anti dog killing, which I guess is rare on this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to us. But uh, she's so cool and badass, and like loving it. And I killed Sparky too. Yeah. It's just like, how are you gonna <laughs> hate that? It's so over the top, and uh, she is absolutely delightful. She could say whatever, and I'd be like, oh, silly. And her song slaps. So it does. It does indeed slap. I've um, I've found out today that like it's the biggest hit in the country right now, right? Yeah. Like everyone is talking about uh, this song that shows that it was Agatha all along. Yeah, normally when I like something a lot, I assume I'm dumb, but though the country d- agrees with me this time, it does indeed slap. Uh, before we get to that, let's go back to the beginning though. How how do you guys like these like fourth wall breaks of them talking straight to camera? I know we've said this a lot about Elizabeth Olsen, but she's fucking great. She does like the harried sitcom 2000s wife so perfectly down to like little eye twitches, man. Like she, she rocks it. She is, she's got to be like up there on the best actress of like 
this year in TV. Just yeah. because we get to, and it's sort of a cheat, but we get, we've gotten to see so many versions of her doing so many things. But man, this one really hit home as far as like talent goes. I I also kept thinking about Julie Bowen. Like, is yes. she pissed while watching this? Like, because she's just doing Julie Bowen impression. Yeah, this bitch is making fun of me the entire time and sort of like just doing everything that I did on Modern Family and like thinking that she could just do it in one episode. Too bad she and crushed it. it. I know. <laughs> Um, so in the beginning, we do have, there is no Pietro, or Pietro, this, like, episode. So, like, was he murdered? We just got no resolution. What do we think's happening there? Yeah, she launched him, which I'd forgotten. I'm glad there's the recap. She launched him across the Halloween carnival because he said, your dead husband can't die twice. Which is. <laughs> that's harsh. So I assume he was passed out in haystacks all episode. And just, Cass- <laughs> Still there. Cassie, there wasn't no Pietro, but we'll get to that later. You, oh, okay, you, okay, okay. You, you forgot to watch the entire show but yeah uh, uh this was uh this yeah this was like the aftermath of that happening and wanda saying you know don't ever trust that person uh wanda i think is sort of figuring out that like if i'm gonna do that to my brother then it must not be my brother sort of like yeah. backwards walking the thing that she did to- i would not have done that to my brother right therefore. exactly <laughs> Uh, and yeah, she's, and especially cause everything's flipping through every time period we've seen and some we haven't, like, I think there's an 1800 stove at some point in the corner of their mm-hmm. house. Uh, mm-hmm. she really knows somebody else is doing stuff at this point. Yeah. And I've yeah. talked about this in other episodes, but like, I really love how much they're playing with television, not just, and it's not just the history, the obvious way that they're doing it, but also like the act of watching television and how much television is sort of lesser than the movies. I think that they're doing that a lot. Um, Darcy at one point says, oh, I've been watching WandaVision all week, which is a yeah. crazy thing to hear about in real life. Um, the show. <laughs> yeah, th- having the opening credits, having, having opening credits come out of nowhere twice in the same show where Ag- like there's a discovery about Agatha, so that just moves to a new opening credits because that's such a good way to like uh, just settle everything, you know, and just like here's, here's what's actually going on. Uh, but the biggest one is Wanda is trying to get the kids out of the house so that she can sit there and just watch TV because that's sort of like the mindless person's, the mindless idiot's dream. You know, yeah, she's All- basically hungover, right? She's right. like decision hungover. And so she just wants the kids gone so she can do nothing. So she can sit there and probably watch garbage. And unfortunately, her TV starts to change. But I do think there is this weird thing, whether they mean to or not, of like, TV sucks, guys. TV is stupid. <laughs> Movies are where it's at. And we're doing it so much better showing you that TV is stupid. Because mm-hmm. it jumps, it, every time they leave uh, the hex, it jumps into movie mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like, see, aren't movies rocking? I mean, this was the most obvious, most careful version of like letterboxing harder, right? Like uh-huh. where they move the, the black bars at the top and the bottom yeah. more carefully. Yeah. Were, were uh, you guys bummed that it's a random army major who helped out Monica and it is not the aerospace engineer we've had so much hints about? It was, it was, a, it seemed convenient too. Like that was the one part where it was just like, ah, here are my friends and they have this space rover. Like it was just like, that was the one part that was not great. Yeah. So when uh, Monica said, oh, I have a person who is a, you know, aerospace engineer, she just meant like, Steve Bob Jones, just some Steve Bob Jones, just, just some <laughs> random person we never heard of. My theory is that the inventor of her Mars rover that did not work uh, is not was not there. These are other people who are like on that team. Yeah, and the internet has pretty much decided who that is. Really? Yeah, they've landed on Reed. No, 
Oh, who? I the internet has decided that it is Adam Brashear. Who is, is the that blue, blue Marvel? Who is the Blue Marvel, yeah. I mean, that's cool, but you have to like be really into comics to think that's cool. <laughs> like... <laughs> I mean, I saw some people complaining on Twitter that like the big reveal that Catherine Hahn was the villain, and Catherine Hahn is Agnes Har- uh, or Agatha, Agatha Harkness. Harkness. Uh, to to have that as a reveal for ninety nine point nine percent of the country is like what? Who fucking gives a shit? Blue Marvel is a less famous character yeah. than Agatha Harkness, so we'll see how the internet reacts. But I, I still think that we're going to get a Reed Richards level reveal yeah. at the end. I just don't think it's going to be for this, like uh, this scientist that she's talking about. Gotcha. That makes sense. Sprinkle in those surprises, but also like at this point in Marvel history. Unless it's Wolverine, everything is going to be a lesser-known character. The right. Agatha Harkness reveal works because even though there's been something up with Agnes, the reveal that she was the one fucking with her so hard, even because for a while it seemed like she's an ally, uh, mm. and it works as a show. Like even if you don't know every tidbit of comic knowledge, yeah, I think that's true. Like when you're reading a comic book and on page twenty-two, it, it seems like a big reveal, but you you're not exactly sure why it's important right. do you then hate the comic book and then throw it across the room no but there's people who are mad because this show is a tv show and not a movie so <laughs> there's there's a lot of idiots right now it takes all kinds mike <laughs> it takes all kinds uh we do i do want to talk about uh monica getting her powers though did you guys like the little transformation scene because we got a voiceover from uh carol danvers didn't we like right as she like yeah. transforms pretty rad i thought it was pretty cool yeah, I mean, not that we should measure TV shows in how many times I stood out of my chair and went, "Oh shit!" But uh, Why not? when when she, as the second she started running, right, the giant yeah. tank that was specifically built to do this job didn't work, so fuck it, I'm gonna do it. And then that's uh, at that point, I was like, "Oh shit!" And then she looks up and her eyes are blue. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm a big proponent of blue eyed characters anyway. But yeah, that was an oh shit moment. And now yeah. we, now the MCU has a new fucking superhero. And it was cool because so often, like, in the MCU, I guess we don't really see how people get their powers. But, like, even Captain America's I'm big Steve Rogers now took a shorter amount of time. He was just like, now I'm in the box. I screamed. Now I'm Captain America. But she, like, you watched her body get ripped apart. Yeah. There's, like, eight different versions of her and thrown back in. I thought they set that up so well. I don't think he said, I'm big Steve Rogers now. I believe he said, ah, now Steve Rogers is big. Yeah, I'm sorry. I misquoted. <laughs> and then she got the superhero, in case you were dumb and like looked at your phone for a second, so you missed that part, she got the superhero landing when she found yep. Wanda. So I, you're like, nope, she's superhero. Iron Man landing and the classic way to handle powers, which is she's looking around the world with her blue eyes, and it's all photony, right? Spectrum-y. Spectrum-y. And then she's like, what the fuck is this? And then closes her eyes and shakes her head, and it goes away. That's that's the best way to handle powers. Oh, this is annoying. Okay, it's gone. All you gotta do. Uh, we're almost out of time, but I do want to talk about how Vision got like he now knows everything thanks to Darcy, and it seemed mm-hmm. like like he took it very well. I understand like he's a construct, but like he was very calm about this whole like I'm dead thing. Well, I think there's such a difference between being, being told and re- he still doesn't remember any of it. True. So I think that's where a lot of the motion isn't there because he's just like, yes, this is odd. But his realization where he was doing the fourth wall of Modern Family Talk and then he's like, what am I doing? I got to go <laughs> save my kids and figure my shit out. Was great. And takes off his little mic. I'd love that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't right, wear this uh, laugh. <laughs> Which is, again, perfect as far as like the show goes because it's in context making fun of TV. Like It's not yeah. just a parody, but it's also 
it, it makes sense why Vision would think that it's making fun of Modern Family and all the shows like that, but right. also Vision needs to do that so we can have the impact point of him leaving. Yeah. Um. All right. It's time for moments of the week, Mike. What is yours? Um, Agatha's intro and Monica's line. Uh, so Agatha, we already talked about Agatha's intro. It's fucking great. But Monica's lie when she's she's trying to bond with Wanda like over grief, and Wanda's like liar. The line, the only lies I've told are the ones you put in my mouth, and how much like stank and venom is that against Wanda yeah. was fucking rad, man. I don't think it you want to fuck with this version of Monica Rambo. And yeah. Monica didn't do the uh, I'm gonna make blue out of my hand like uh, yeah. Wanda did make pink out of her hand, or like sometimes I'll make yellow with my hand, but. Uh, it was that those eyes were there. Like she was yeah. ready to throw the fuck down against Wanda, something that the military is scared of doing. Yeah. Yeah. That standoff was so good. Uh, Ryan, your moment of the week. Uh, the, the only thing that like topped um, and I killed Sparky was, <laughs> was uh, Catherine Hahn telling the twins, I don't bite. And then it cut to a <laughs> confessional and she was like, I did bite a child once. That was the setup and the punchline. Like <laughs> yeah, so she just straight funny, up man. said, "In case you weren't sure that Catherine Hobbs was going to be the villain of this episode, I just I did bite a child. No, no, no specificity as to who the child yeah. was. Just I bit a child once." <laughs> yeah, that's what I have for my moment of the week too. Just because it's literally like a two second clip too. Like it literally just yeah. cuts to her to just be like, "I did bite a child." <laughs> that is it. Like it was amazing. Uh, WandaVision Vision is on Fridays on Disney+. Plus. That is it for the pull list, and now it is time for X-Taz. <laughs> Welcome to X-Taz Mania, bitch. A mini show within a show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s X-Men the Animated Series. In the second season of X-Taz, now President Kelly's first act is to pardon Beast, causing an anti- anti-mutant terrorist group Friends of Humanity to riot and attack mutant-friendly buildings. Meanwhile, Jean and Scott are married in a pretty understated wedding. Wolverine is hiding from the nuptials in the danger room. And Morph is back from the dead and fucking with everyone. Uh, You guys, I obviously want to scream about Morph. But before we do that, we got to go to where the whole episode opened, which is, of course, the wedding. So, I mean... I think that what we're looking at here, because we have Wolverine in the Danger Room wearing a tuxedo, by the way. Yeah, he was definitely the best man. Yeah, he was <laughs> which, in, like, in their color palette for sure, which was just purple. Mike, you were my best man. And you were mine. But what Cyclops did was say, oh, uh, my wife's ex-husband, I'm going to make him my best man instead. Like this was <laughs> That'll a- bring us together. <laughs> but I do like the juxtaposition of... We have basically Wolverine and Scott in the same tuxedo showing uh, showing Jean what her choices were. If you choose Scott, you get a boring-ass wedding. Like, nothing was great about this wedding. No, or if, if you had chosen Wolverine, then he would just be still fighting Cyclops somewhere away from you. <laughs> still angry. His, his danger room setup, man, where it t- then it, by the end of it, turned into a Cyclops-Sentinel Cent- combination. Like, Cyclops. Especially make that Centaclops like it seemed like his his war room seems to be like a psychological thing. Like his is on a deeply personal level of how to fuck with him. I was like, I don't I, remember it being like this. I just imagine Wolverine typing in the information in the danger room before it starts saying like, Yes, Logan, we get it. We know, we what, know. what's wrong with you. But then a lot of it's hologram, but the Centaclops is not. So he's like, Charles, please make this and he's just like, God damn it. God, you have some <laughs> You're issues. The most annoying X Man. <laughs> 
All right. And then, of course, now at the wedding, we get the morph reveal afterwards because this motherfucker was the priest. And then we just get everything morph. How excited were you guys to see this boy back? Well, before we get that, real quick, because I do think this sets up something for later on in the episode, we get Gambit going around, force kissing <laughs> yeah. everyone. Yeah. Uh, where I come from, we always kiss the bride. So, we always kiss the bridesmaid, too. <laughs> where I come from, we're all sexual assaulters. With his ponytail. I did not know this dude had that yeah. fluffy of a ponytail. Yeah, when he doesn't wear his stupid face mask thing. Uh-huh. That's- we complained last season about Gambit always wearing his costume, and then watching this, it's like, no, Gambit, get put back it, in the costume, dude. <laughs> Because it's not, uh, it's it's like a long rat tail, uh, like yeah. a traditional just ponytail. It's just the so traditional funny. wedding rat tail. But yeah, then um, Cyclops talks to the Reverend, and the Reverend, there's something fucked up about this Reverend, guys. He's creepy. He, he ominously quotes Robert Frost yeah. when Cyclops is like, hey, Reverend, you're going to come hang out at the reception, right? And instead of just being like, no, you guys are weird, he's just like, I have miles to go before I sleep. Yeah. And everybody's fine with it. But we do have, it turns out, it's Morph. And uh, just, I can't believe he's morphing into everybody. I'm so excited. The uh, I mean, Mike, you Mike, you knew this was coming because yeah. of your Morph tattoo on your leg that has covered <laughs> up your Harley Quinn tattoo. But uh, is this, I mean, is, does this make you feel good that now he's a fucking Mr. Sinister Pet Cemetery disgusting, uh, yes. suit, like baggage <laughs> under the eyes bullshit person? Yes, I, I do like that Evil Morph has grown into what I look like on a normal day <laughs> <laughs> with those thick, dark bags under his eyes. And this is the like the, the, the most skilled Morph has ever been. Yes. The problem with Morph's power set is it's not a hero's power set. Shapeshifting is a villain's power set. Now I can fully embrace it. I guess that's true because, one, I kept thinking, what if Morph switched into Mystique? What would happen? Mm-hmm. Like, would the world implode? And then at a in a montage where we watch the Friends of Humanity go around and just destroy all mutant-friendly buildings we see two uh mutants run into an alley and they both shapeshift like this power is common in Mm. this x-men world but they shapeshift they can't do different one of them turns into a trash can right (laughs) that's his only power like chameleons into the wall uh but that's why and then there's one's just like a fur guy and he's like i don't have powers please don't hurt me i just look different than you (laughs) poor fur guy man (laughs) the gerbil at what point um, but yeah, that does take us to the staged mutant attacks that start off with uh, an attack during the president's press conference of a dude in a mutant suit. I, I like the Friends of Humanity are so dumb that they're like, well, let's just do a blue version of the mutant that attacked last year. <laughs> like, it's just blue, green, saber tooth. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what a mutant would look like if a human designed it, as opposed yeah. to the real life mutants that we have to deal with every day. Um but yeah, it's again. I don't mean to keep sending this back home, but uh, just we don't like the way that the vote is going. So let's just mm-hmm. do terrorism. Seems like a pretty common American thing, even though it's attributed to other countries far more often. Yeah. Nope. USA, baby. Again, it was unfortunate to have things line up so well while watching this, <laughs> but. Uh... We then cut to, I just got to talk real quick about Professor X's vague departure, which is a message from Morph. But again, it's just the way Professor X leaves his crew. By the way, Cassie, a message on what? Like, he gets a message from know. Magneto on <laughs> on TikTok? Like, did Magneto send him a TikTok? Like, yeah. they, have, they have some video capability that nobody else in the nobody world has right now. 90s. 
Yeah. They're zooming. They're talking the way we're talking right now. <laughs> it does like he just but, gets like a little beeper and he's like, let me go check the telly real quick. And then it's his friend who's like, oh, <laughs> shit, I, I have a podcast with Magneto right now. I have to go, guys. <laughs> I forgot. And we talk about our differences. Uh, this is what makes Morph a great villain is he knows exactly what button to press on each one of the X-Men. What's going to get Charles out of the house more than his arch nemesis saying i need help i can't explain come to antarctica <laughs> charles is there in a second and he will not tell his x-men where he's going antarctica of course i'll be there yeah. very soon and then jubilee he's like jubilee you're just a dumb little kid get out of here knowing that's gonna piss her off and she's gonna storm off gambit it's come fuck me right now i'm rogue like he just knows exactly how to get all of them okay look this episode was all over the place particularly in the first half i would say that this is probably the worst episode that we've done so far because it had no idea it just had too much to do coming back from a break right and not knowing how to do any of it but this the the episode basically doesn't work because it's too fast, too furious. Tokyo Drift for like uh, the first twelve minutes or so, but the back half was great because it just turned into a slasher film. Yeah, it was just morph as Michael Myers, like routinely going through each uh, you know victim and destroying them in the way that would hurt them the most, or that he could hurt them the most, and that that's when the episode really worked. Mm-hmm. I also love that he had like. Jubilee's was the most personal to him. Like nobody has a vendetta against Jubilee except for fucking Morph, because like she took his spot. He was like very, well, very the, hurt by the Jubilee. minute they thought. Yeah, to him, the minute they thought he was dead, they're like, "Well, let's get some little Marek, spunky get, kid. Let's get a child who naps all the time on the I, team." But if Jubilee wasn't such a goddamn napper, she would have she would have busted the case open right away because Storm is like Storm Morph is like, Jubilee, go here, I have a mission for you. And Jubilee should have been, no one has a mission for me, you're Morph, you're not Storm, I'm saying shenanigan. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so during his revenge, the Gambit, Gambit's was absolutely wild. Also, the fact, the way they drew Rogue while sleeping, like, oh, I, cheesecake, Rogue is back, baby. God, like, I never understood, going to cons, like, every, a lot of people dress like Rogue, and all the guys acted a certain way whenever there was a Rogue, and I see why now, I see why, it was all from the comics, they set this up all along. Cassie, you're not a filmmaker, okay, yeah. in this, you, you can't just show from high above the room, Rogue sitting on a couch, that wouldn't do it. What you have to do is start the camera at her feet and slowly pan up across <laughs> her body in order to show that Rogue is asleep on a couch. Having watched Roger Rabbit who knows how many times in Cool World exactly once, this is still the <laughs> horniest cartoon I've ever seen drawn is Rogue asleep on this couch, man. It's so unreal. It gets me every time. Uh, but then we have, we get like everybody is taken out by uh, Morph's excellent plans and that leaves Rogue and Storm to try to stop this angry mob of anti-mutants. And, uh, like, just the two of them, like, were surprisingly, like, I feel like they could do missions on their own. Yes. Yeah, no, they're uh, the best. Yeah. They could do better without everybody else. <laughs> it, like, it was set up to be, like, a hindrance, but I was like, they're doing pretty good all throughout this town. The com- Like, Avengers comic books were always like this, where it was Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, and then, like, 10 B-list heroes. And you just imagine them looking around like, why the fuck are they here right now? Rogue and Storm <laughs> could easily handle everything. Rogue, by the way, we got to mention, does have Gambit's powers because Morph, in in a fucking genius move, Mm -hmm. uh, knew that Gambit was going to go and kiss Rogue while sleeping. (laughs) So (laughs) that would that would blast Gambit out of the you know like he wasn't going to be able to help at all. So comatose. Rogue has Gambit's powers. 
and does not know she just everything for her it's like Midas everything she touches turns explody so she's just constantly grabbing things and chucking them (laughs) (laughs) which it did remind me because we didn't spend that much time with Morph in the first season it he can only look like them Rogue has Mm -hmm. Rogue can take people's powers Morph cannot which means how are you helping in a fight no yeah that's he should have died like he pushed how he died is he pushed the one guy who can get healed out of the way and he got shot by a laser he was a liability on that team he's a bad D&D player they do I did forget to mention we do see him like on the bed fighting with like his himself over the fact that they did leave him to die and it is bugging him but also they're his friends uh guys did you did this seem familiar to you at all? Like you? No. <laughs> Good one, I guess. Uh, Mor- Morph is laying on the bed, like going through all this uh, like neurotic shit of what am I going to do? And then we cut above, and there's a ceiling fan going up around him. That's the first scene of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> X-Men, the animated series, is making Invented Morph... Apocalypse Now. Is making Morph Martin Sheen. In fact, Morph should have switched to Martin... He has the capability <laughs> to just switch to Martin Sheen <laughs> And send the whole thing home. Oh. I, I did like Morph acted like he knew the reviewers because when he was like, no, they're my friends, he would make his face look less sunken in. Uh-huh. And then he'd be, and then put the bags back under his eyes and he's like, but they left me for dead. Yeah, I love how they bring home, like, you know, a person's evil if they have bags under their eyes. Like, the animators really, really did us all favors on that one. Shit, my mom was evil as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at the very end, we do get this dude on a throne who is, I get, you know, controlling everything. Is this Creed? No. no. Okay. This is Mr. Sinister. No, no, no. What? Mr. Sinister. We said that Mr. we were going to pronounce it in the right way. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Sinister. And enjoy your revenge more. I know. I am. Which doesn't grammatically make sense. <laughs> I know I will. I am enjoying your revenge. I don't know. There's just phrases lacking in the sentence. What? Does, it, does, does his ridiculous cape, where he chopped up a cape into little slippers, like it was an arts and crafts day... Does that balance out his fucking fangs as far as how scary he is? He's very spooky. That mister is sinister. <laughs> I'm excited to get more of him just to just to figure him out because he's a whole enigma to me right now. He's just very th- dramatic and I can't wait to see more of him. Oh, yeah. He's a vampiric bitch. Well, can't basically, wait. like his whole thing is like uh, cloning, right? Yeah. He's like an evil cloner and that's why we have more. He's oh, okay. obsessed with Cyclops. Okay, all right. But yeah, that is the end of this episode. So now, you guys, it's time for awards, the best part of this. Uh, Let's start. We're going to keep the same awards. Let's go with best gasp line. Ryan, what do you got for this? I mean, it's got to be the Reverend changing, right? Like into Morph. Morph is alive and oh, gasp. Yeah. It that is, is it for sure. It is. That's what I have as well. Uh, Ryan, I'll give that point to you because you got it first. Um, next award is most nineties thing. Mike, what do you got? Uh, at a certain point for no reason, Morph, after he changes into one of the people, just turns to the camera and goes, making copies. This is, and- this is the, like the, the most slam dunk award in the history <laughs> yeah, of our I show. I was like, thanks, X-Taz. It's just to reference then era SNL, like just a phrase everybody was saying at all times. Well, I mean, he said it because Wolverine left, so he's going to become Wolverine. He's yeah. going to make himself a copy of Wolverine. Making copies a Rob Schneider <laughs> SNL skit. Fuck. I, the, the, inarguably the best person who's ever been on SNL. Uh, inarguably. <laughs> I uh, I actually didn't catch that, and that's delightful. Ryan, is that what you have for that one as well? Yes. I mean, okay. 
if you said what was the uh, what was the most nineties moment of everything we've watched so far? <laughs> it's making copies. It's Morph looking into the camera and saying, "Making copies." Um, since I didn't catch it, I do have just the uh, the frills on Jean's wedding dress that were just little armbands as the most nineties thing because I was I was there for her whole wedding setup. It was delightful, just purple and frills everywhere. It was delightful. Cassie, um, are we gonna do a nineties themed wedding for you then? God, yes, I would love that. Are you kidding me? Everybody in <laughs> jean suits, yes. <laughs> um, all right, Mike, I'm going to give that point to you because it's got to be. Uh, our next award is Best Use of Power. Did I start with you, Mike, for that one? I think I did on the last one, right? Let's go to Ryan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you could tell that you started with Mike last time because I screamed three seconds in and interrupted the shit out of him. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, power, I mean, it's cliche, but the way that Storm handles the burning building and the guys attacking all at the same time with like basically just yawning. Uh she's got one hand on the on the burning building, one hand on the guys. Uh that it's it's Storm's award. And the other hand holding her cigarette. Yeah. I uh, I don't know why it, the goddess of weather would have three hands, but she does and shows some goddamn respect. <laughs> it was very powerful indeed. Uh Mike, what do you got? Yeah, I respectfully disagree. I'm giving this one to Morph. He single-handedly took down the entire X-Men team with his pretty lame power. Yeah, with, uh, with a just shitty power. He knew, yeah, and because he knows what buttons to press. I think that's also why it's not just it's it's not just not an offensive power, but it's also a power for bad guys because you have to be a piece of shit in order to utilize that power perfectly. You know, like yeah. that's why he. I'm di- realizing right now I would be a villain, not a hero, if I had powers. <laughs> but that power specifically—that's why he died in the first season, and he's a great bad guy. Is because if it's your ability to shapeshift, you just you—it's just easier to do evil than it is to do uh-huh. good. Yeah. Um, for best use of power, I have Rogue picking up Jubilee by the back of her neck like a puppy because, like, you know, normally <laughs> you'll just like sh- like rub kids' heads to make them feel humiliated, but to pick her up by the back of the neck—that is some next level <laughs> shit. Uh, oh shit, Cassie, I want to change mine. Yeah. Ro- Rogue's power to lay on that goddamn couch. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. You are disqualified. That point is going to go to Mike, of course. <laughs> but I do I do agree with you. The, his ability to use a shitty power in a diabolical way is uh, mm-hmm. very powerful. All right. Let's go to next award, LVP. Mike, what do you got? And just it's so you know, be- Mike, uh, Morph has won three of the three awards so far. So. I know. I'm very excited. We're just excited for Morph. Uh, it's got to be Wolverine for me. He's an LVP as a hero because he bails. Storm asks him for help, and he says, no, climate's your responsibility. Unmasking is mine. And then he just leaves. That Like, it doesn't make sense. Uh, and then he's a LVP as a wedding person. Yes. Like, uh, in every way he can let somebody down in this episode, he does. <laughs> I got. I can't wait for the episode, maybe season three or four, where something goes down, and then Wolverine's like, fuck this. I'm going to leave. This is bullshit. And then it pans to the other X-Men and they're all mouthing exactly what Wolverine says. <laughs> <laughs> now now it really makes sense when in like episode two, Cyclops is like, he's leaving just like he always yeah. does. At the time, we're like, damn, Cyclops. And now we're like, oh, because Wolverine does do this all the time. It's actually just what he does. All right, Ryan, what do you got? For LVP, I have Beast. I can't fucking take it anymore. My notes that I took... While watching the show, uh, half of them just say, shut the fuck up, Beast. I, w- I he's wish so I- flummoxed when he wins. He's doing like menial labor during the wedding, and he's so flummoxed when the bouquet gets tossed onto his box. It's, just, it's, it's the fucking thesaurus theory. It's just every single fucking thing that comes out of his mouth has to be the wordiest, most flowery bullshit. Uh, I wish he was still in prison. Uh, I, I, 
This fucking <laughs> sucks that he's still here. Uh, all right, yours is very personal. Mine, of course, LVP. I gotta bring Gambit because the fact that he was so horny that he almost killed himself is just the most insane thing. Respect. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> wouldn't the world be a better place though if you've got if, at a certain point you got so horny and desperate your head just exploded? That would be awesome. <laughs> It would be delightful. Uh, I'm going to give that award to me because Gambit needs to get his. Uh, all right. Our final award, MVP. Ryan, what do you got? I got to say it's Morph. I mean, he slashered his way through the back half of this episode, and he single-handedly destroyed the X-Men. You could say that Mr. Sinister was behind it or the Friends of Humanity, who he he's not so much a part of, but like used in order to like mm-hmm. get stuff done. Uh, but Morph really fucking sneaks in there and handles his shit. That he does. Uh, all right, Mike, what do you got for MVP? I was going to say Rogue because the way she sleeps on that couch, but I saw what happened to Ryan. So I'm going to also say Morph <laughs> for all the reasons Ryan just said. <laughs> but it was like, we did give Morph the best use of power for doing that. I like an MVP to be a wholesome person or like for a reason that's worth celebrating and not taking down our heroes, the X-Men. So um, I have oh, I can't I can't win the award. 4K. <laughs> okay. No, he's saying hit, hit, hit like you're describing him like he's right. Good mm. in here. Delightful. <laughs> <laughs> <Quite>. <laughs> the, um, all right, I got rogue not for the way she laid on that couch, but because uh, <laughs> the fact that she was most pissed about her not being able to touch anything while Gambit is passed out, like she throws Gambit on the table is like. The idiot, like, almost killed himself, and then she's like, and also look at this, and she, like, explodes a mug, and she's just more mad the fact that she can't touch anything, and I... And also, it also gives Storm the chance to say, and, like, I I hate Beast, I love Storm. Storm also has a very effective way of saying things, but Storm screams out, Gambit, you could not have picked a worse time to be a fool! (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Uh, Cassie, I keep track of all the winners here for our end of the season thing, so I'm going to put for MVP this week, it was Rogue, and then in parentheses, the way she laid down on that couch. How dare you? <laughs> you know the she real reason. It is gonna, bodied that couch. <laughs> it's going to be Rogue, but not for that reason, so that point goes to me. Um, I got to say, was was that couch cold? The, the couch seemed cold for certain okay. parts of her body. And we have to go to these point totals. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, if you couldn't tell by the way the comments you made, you did get in last place, so you got yeah. one whole point that one. Mike, me and you tied for two whole points, so we're switching it up. Season two. A big things. Uh, that is all the time we have, and that is the end of the show, though. So, Mike, my friend, my good friend, who doesn't mention Rogue and the way she lays on that couch. He... Uh, I mean, I did. Yeah, so. you absolutely you did. Really is, Ryan? You backed out of it, and I respect you for that. So can you tell me about some websites? Yourpopfilter.com is where you can go to get everything we make. Throw a slash Amazon on there. Order that way through Amazon, and it also helps us out a little. Uh, I lied. There's other things that we do make that is not on yourpopfilter.com. That's on patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. And then if you want to make a website and not completely suck donkey dicks at it, go to cybersprout.net. They're your partner for digital world. And what if we do want to suck donkey dicks at making a website? Just go out on our own? Just go out on your own. I don't know. Use Squarespace like a chump. (laughs) All right. Uh, Ryan, can you tell us about some other shows? Yes. Uh, You are listening to the Superhero Show Show. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this. We really appreciate it. Uh, If you're here because we reviewed Snowpiercer, that's weird, but uh, <laughs> you got all the way through the show, so please subscribe now and tell all your friends about it while you're telling your friends stuff. Uh, also, tell them about Movie of the Year, 
where Mike and I go through every single year that has ever existed since 1980 and try try to figure out the single greatest movie of any given year. We're about to start the year 2020. Cassie, what's your favorite 2020 movie? Um, the Detective Pikachu. Always. Okay, so, no, it was so, Sonic. So, Sonic was this year. Sonic the Hedgehog, Pikachu. yeah. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, I do not think is in the bracket anymore, what which is such a bummer. Uh, and then, so rate, review, and subscribe to that. And then also, The Unnatural 20 is where Cassie and not me and not Mike uh, talk about stuff that is basically mostly focusing on Detective Pikachu and Sonic the Hedgehog, guys. <laughs> it really is. It's 80% of the content. Uh, Mike, can you tell me about social media? At your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram. You know how to use it. You know how to love it. Do it. Do it. We also got an email. It's contact at your pop filter. Uh, go ahead and email us anything you want. Your grocery list. We won't pick it up, but you can email it to us if you want. <laughs> uh, next week, we got a big episode. Cause Bum, ba, da, da, dun, dun, that's right. Lois and dun, Superman. Dun, it's dun, finally dun, dun, happening. Dun. We're going to review it next Bum, week. So excited. Do you guys have high hopes for this at all? Yeah, man. I'm pumped. Really? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm trying to come into it excited. The previews don't look fantastic, but I have hope. Are you going to watch this with your roommate, Caitlin, fan of Smallville? Uh, she will murder me if I don't. And then she will okay. murder everybody else if it doesn't live up to Smallville. So we'll wow. see what happens. There's also like a special, right? There, there's yeah. the first episode and then there's like a how we got here or something. Oh, God. I didn't know about that, but yeah, she'll be. We're gonna have to rewatch all of Smallville in order to get to this. So, <laughs> we but like I, I just want to be clear, we're not reviewing the special next week. We're not gonna we're be not. discussing that. We're not. Okay. We're not. Just Good. just the episode. I'll just watch it and talk about it. <laughs> Michael, I do think. It. I do think it's a ninety-minute bad boy, though. So, Ooh. get ready for that, guys. In depth. All right. Uh, be sure to tune in for that. It's going to be a great episode for Mike. I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. Bye.